The Way BK podcast is dedicated to pursuing and promoting a true understanding of Jesus Christ and the transformation He provides for all who submit to Him to live in a way that is pleasing to God as revealed in the Bible. Let's join our hosts as they discuss The Way. What's up, everybody? It's Ben. I'm going to be flying solo today, unfortunately. Um, Caleb and I had set aside some time to record, but the recording session turned into a discussion about some different church matters that we're trying to get put together on kind of a rush basis in some ways. And so you guys know how it goes, right? Everything these days with the circumstances we're in kind of throws everything off. So we didn't end up having enough time to actually record together, and our schedules are such this week where we're not really going to have another time where we could link up. So I'm just going to do a solo uh, recording today. And next week, Lord willing, we'll be back up, the two of us, discussing. And we'll be starting in, in the month of June, we'll be starting in on the book of Joshua. And we're actually going to be getting through Joshua, Judges, and Ruth next week. So kind of a little more ground to cover than what we've done this month with the book of Deuteronomy. But it'll be fun, really great stories, inspirational stuff, convicting stuff. If you're trying to get close to God, or even if you're just trying to explore Christianity, you don't have to believe in God or believe in the Bible, but even if you're just searching we're here to help. Um, we try to put out as much content as we're able to on our website, thewaybk.com, or here in this podcast, also our YouTube channel, The Way BK. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook as well and contact us there. If you have any questions, things that you're wondering about, we're not locked in to only doing podcasts that summarize um, you know, books of the Bible. Uh, Feel free to reach out and let us know what would help you, what you think would be valuable for us to have discussions about. And that may be something we do with you personally via email, video chat, phone call, whatever you feel comfortable with. Or maybe even something we can incorporate in some of the teaching that we uh, put together and put out online. Anyway, today is going to be the last podcast where we talk about the book of Deuteronomy, or at least focus on it. I'm sure it's going to come up in future podcasts just because it's such an important book for the entire scope of the Old Testament and the entirety of God's plans. We're going to look particularly at Deuteronomy chapters 27 through 30, and then a little bit of how that gets used in the New Testament. The book of Deuteronomy, as we've said before, was a second giving of the law. Starting with the book of Exodus, God had given his covenant and his laws to the people of Israel and said, I want you to follow these. I want you to do them. I want you to obey me. I want you to serve me. Well, 40 years passed. Israel rebelled most, well, the entirety of one generation, save for Joshua and Caleb. An entire generation fell in the wilderness because of their rebellion. And now the second generation is preparing to enter into the land that God had promised them. And Moses here, before he passes on, that's the end of the book, he he, um, dies and is buried by God in Deuteronomy 34. It's a really touching scene, actually. But before that happens, Moses is reminding them of all the laws that God gave them and his expectations and his plans and also reminds them of the good things God had done for them. At the end of the book, Moses gives a lot of attention to the necessity of obedience. In other words, the instructions, the teaching, the laws that God gave weren't good advice. They weren't options for the people to choose from. They were commandments for them to keep. Notice a few passages here. 27.1, Moses and all the elders of Israel commanded the people saying, Keep the whole commandment that I command you today. Go further down to verse 10 of chapter 27. You shall therefore obey the voice of Yahweh your God, keeping his commandments and his statutes, 
which I command you today. Go to chapter 28 and verse 1. He says, If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all His commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Go further down into verse 14. Well, verse 13. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall only go up and not down if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them. And if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today, to the right hand or the left, to go after other gods to serve them. Again, you see it in verse 15. You see it again, I mean, over and over again. And I'm not even going to just keep on going. But as you read chapters 27 through 29, there's this strong emphasis to the necessity of obedience. And not like a, hey, this would make God really happy kind of statement. But actually, obedience was the condition that blessing was predicated upon. In other words, if you don't obey God, then you won't be blessed by God. If you do obey God, you will be blessed. Now, the blessings under this covenant, uh, we talked about this in uh, Sunday teaching. You can find this on our YouTube channel. I'm not going to go into a deep dive on this. But this covenant that Israel was under is different than the covenant that Christians are under today. So all the exact um, instructions and commandments, as well as the the precise blessings, like for instance, you'll always lend and you'll never borrow. Those aren't necessarily the same under the covenant that uh, was formed by the blood of Jesus thousands of years later. But this principle of covenant keeping is really important, and this fundamental principle is obedience is necessary if you're going to have a close relationship with God. And of course, that makes sense. Think about close relationships you have with people. We may not think about it in terms of obedience, but essentially whenever we formulate relationships with a boss at work, even in a marriage between a husband and wife, um, between partners in some sort of business venture, or people who just are friends, there is at least an implicit and sometimes an explicit outlining of expectations. And if you do those expectations, there's certain things that happen. If you don't do those expectations, if you don't meet those expectations then there's negative consequences that come. The language in Deuteronomy 27 through 29 is the language of blessings and curses. If you keep the covenant, if you obey the voice of the Lord, then here's all these great things that God promised Israel that he would do for them. On the other hand, if they did not obey, there would be curses. This is really goes back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. God had promised many wonderful blessings. Genesis 1, starting around verse 28, says that God blessed mankind, and he told them what they were supposed to do. The problem was mankind rebelled against God. And therefore, in Genesis 3, after sin, after disobedience, God brought curses. Because anytime you disobey the will of someone you're in a relationship with, you're cutting off your relationship with that person, or you're at least damaging it in some way. And if you damage your relationship with God, if you cut yourself off from God, then you're cutting yourself off from the source of life itself. And so, here in Deuteronomy chapters 27 through 29, God outlines the devastating effects of disobedience, of cutting themselves off from the God who made the world who loved them and who wanted the best for them and wanted to work with them and through them to bring salvation and blessing to all the world. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, Moses predicts, prophesies really, that Israel would not obey, that they would not keep the covenant, that they would turn aside. 
He does this in an even more explicit way in chapters like 31, 32, 33, where he says, listen, you guys are going to rebel. You're going to sin. You're going to do wrong. And that's exactly what happened. We're going to see that as we keep progressing in the Bible story, that these covenantal blessings, the things God said, I guarantee you, I will do this for you. If you'll just listen to me, submit to me, obey me, do my will, keep my commandments, then I'll bring you blessing. They refused. And because of that, the curses came upon them. I don't necessarily want to read all of these things, and you can read them if you read through Deuteronomy 28. A lot of it is just really tragic. I'll read a little bit uh, in chapter 28, starting in verse 47. He says, Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart because of the abundance of all things, therefore you shall serve your enemies, whom the Lord will send against you, in hunger and thirst in nakedness and lacking everything, and he'll put a yoke on your neck until he has destroyed you. The Lord will bring a nation against you from far away, from the end of the earth, swooping down like an eagle, a nation whose language you do not understand, a hard-faced nation who shall not respect the old or show mercy to the young. It shall eat the offspring of your cattle and the fruit of your ground until you are destroyed. It shall, leave you, it shall not leave you grain, wine, or oil, the increase of your herds or the young of your flock, until they've caused you to perish. That little sampling gives you a sense of what this is all about. If you disobey, this is what happens. And again, I want to take you back to Genesis 3. Because Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they lost fellowship with God in the garden. And over and over again, you see it with mankind in Genesis 3. You see this prediction here in the book of Deuteronomy and really outlined through the rest of the Old Testament. And I'll just fast forward up until today. The promise is that if you disobey God, you lose your soul. Jesus would say one time, "Those who it's not going to be those who say, Oh, Lord, Lord, who will enter the kingdom of heaven, but it's those who do the will of the Father who is in heaven. In other words, if you don't do God's will, then you receive the curse because you're damaging your relationship with God. You're fracturing, you're severing your tie with the one source of life. God wants fellowship with you. That's what he wanted the garden. That's what he wanted in the covenant with Israel. And that's what he wants with people eternally. But he's not, well, since he's a God of love, he's not a God who's going to force you into a relationship with him. That's abusive. But he's not going to do that. But he does implore each and every person to come and obey. Now, the prediction that Moses gave to the children of Israel here is, you guys are going to ruin the covenant because you're going to disobey God. You're not going to do what he says. But don't you listen to the bright future that Moses looked forward to in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy 30, beginning in verse 1, it says, And when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind, or in other words, you remember, oh yeah, this is what God said was going to happen. When you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, and when you return to the Lord your God, you and your children, and obey his voice in all that I command you today with all your heart and your soul, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you. He'll gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. If you're outcast or in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he'll take you. And the Lord your God will bring you into the land that your fathers possessed, that you may possess it. And he'll make you more prosperous and numerous than your ancestors. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live. 
And the Lord your God will put all these curses on your foes and enemies who persecuted you. And you shall again obey the voice of the Lord and keep all his commandments that I command you today. The Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all the work of your hand and in the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your cattle and the fruit of your ground. For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you as he took delight in your ancestors when you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that are written in this book of the law when you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. Two things you can hear in this text. One, this language of blessing. And Moses does a really interesting thing here. He uses a lot of the things that were part of the Israelite covenant, but it also the way he talks is pretty clearly metaphorical. He speaks about, for instance, um, circumcising the heart. Well, you couldn't go in and actually perform surgery on the heart and make a difference in people's souls. He talks about how if you were scattered to the utmost, most remote part of heaven or the sky, God would gather you. Well, Moses isn't picturing they're actually going to get shot into outer space and that God's going to have to gather them from there. He's using metaphorical language, and then he uses the blessings that to them probably sounded like literal promises. But I think what you're going to see in a second is these also were just pictures of the real, true, genuine blessings. Crops and herds and all that kind of stuff is great. But there's even greater things because crops and herds, they go away eventually. They only sustain you for a little while. But the blessing that God has planned is much greater. It's deeper in your heart. It's higher. It's in the heavens. It's something way more. Here's the other thing I'll point out that ties into the things we've talked about before this. Not only are these blessings extreme that are promised here, but the condition would remain the same. Obedience. We see it once again in verse 2, you see it in verse 6, the, the command to love the Lord your God is tied directly to obeying God and doing what's right. Verse 8, you shall again obey the voice of the Lord your God. And verse 10, when you obey. You, if you want to be in a relationship with God, you have to obey God. Now, someone sitting here right now might say two things. One, man, obeying God is hard. And that's right. That's why Moses said in verse 11... This commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It's not in heaven that you should say, Oh, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea or in the depths that you should say, Ooh, Who will go down into the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is near you. Excuse me, but the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. So while we think about the concept of obeying God and we say, I don't know, that's pretty hard. Moses says, well, maybe. Yeah, it is. But it's not too hard. It's not so far away that you cannot do it. You can do it. And he says, even to the children of Israel, hey, listen, I've given you this word and it's in your mouth and it's in your heart. You can. You can obey the word of God. Someone else might pipe up and say, well, okay, maybe technically you can. Maybe even it's relatively feasible to obey God. But nobody has. That is definitely true. None of us have ever perfectly done God's will. 
And whatever imperfections you may have, you may think they're not a very big deal, but God has said they are. Just like eating the fruit in the garden was a big deal. Just like violating any number of the commandments in the book of Deuteronomy were a big deal. The smallest ones to the grandest ones, however you may measure that, they're all a big deal. And they cut off your relationship with God. And so someone might say, okay, great. But once you disobey, you're kind of cooked. You're toast. It's over with you and God. This passage is quoted in the New Testament to give us hope that that is not true. While it's true that none of us have obeyed God, it's not all over. In Deuteronomy 30, while it's on one hand a call to the restoration of obedience, it also points forward to the messianic hope. Look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. The Apostle Paul has been reasoning here in Romans chapter 10 about the necessity of relying on Jesus Christ. Paul began this letter by saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In Romans 10 and verse 5, he continues his argumentation, which is layered in many ways, but we'll just jump in the middle here. Romans 10 and verse 5, it says, For Moses writes about the righteousness that's based on the law, that the person who does the commandment shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? You notice it's the exact same language from Deuteronomy 30. And listen, Paul gives some some Jesus-centered explanation to this text, and he helps us appreciate what it's all about. Who will ascend into heaven? And then Paul comments, that is, to bring Christ down. Or who will ascend into the abyss, into the depths of the sea? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Paul takes what Moses says in Deuteronomy 30 and he applies it and says, actually, the word that's near you, in your mouth and in your heart, is the word about the gospel of Jesus Christ, about the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the life of Christ, the rule of Christ, the teachings of Christ, that whole compilation of things that are Jesus. That's what is near us in our mouth and in our heart. And remember, Moses said, hey, listen, this is not too hard for you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. And Paul says the same is true today. It's not impossible to get right with God because of the gospel. And then he goes on and says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says that everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul points to, hey, listen, I know it seems kind of hopeless that you've disobeyed God, you've messed up, but if you'll turn to the Lord, if you'll call on him, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. This is an interesting passage because sometimes people point to it whenever there's someone who's not a Christian and they say, hey, man, how do I become a Christian? And the person says, well, listen, man, do you believe in your heart Jesus is Lord and will you confess that with your mouth? God raised him from the dead. Sorry, I think I flipped those, but you get the point. Say, yeah, I do. Great, you're saved. Well, that's a crucial part of salvation. Those are crucial elements. Fundamental, I'd even argue. But here's the interesting thing. Paul isn't writing to non-Christians. He's actually writing to people who already are Christians. And he's saying, hey, Christian, if you want to be saved, 
You need to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead so that you will be saved. Now, there's a sense in which these people already had been saved. They're already in Christ. So what is the point here? Well, to be fair, part of the point is this is part of the element of salvation for those who are not in Christ. But part of it is that Christians are in grave danger. Just like Israel was always in grave danger of giving up on their covenant, Christians are constantly vulnerable to the possibility of giving up their covenant, giving up their relationship with God. Paul goes on and says this in verse 14, How are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? That seems pretty apparent. That would be talking about people who are not Christians yet. And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Well, that's something continual. Learning to believe and to believe again is an ongoing thing. Learning and hearing, that's something that's necessary. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Paul here was writing this letter, preaching the good news to people who were already Christians, which shows you that Christians, disciples, saints of the Lord, need to be preached to. We need to be reminded that Jesus is Lord. We need to be reminded of the veracity of the claim that he has been risen from the dead and what that means. Then verse 16. But they have not all obeyed or submitted to, but the word is the same word for obedience. They have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Do you notice how this text actually circles all the way back to the point in the book of Deuteronomy, particularly Deuteronomy 30? Deuteronomy 30 says, hey, you need to obey. That's the key to restoration, to love God with everything you've got, to obey him, and he will do it for you. He'll bring you blessing. He'll change your life. He'll bring you close to him again if you obey. And you might say, oh, that sounds so hard. It's so far away. Well, listen, it is hard, but it's not too hard for you. But for centuries, people say, Moses, how is it not too hard? Do you hear the answer that Paul gives here in Romans 10, why it's not too hard to obey? The gospel. Because we believe that Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth, he overcame sin and death. He lived a perfectly sinless life. And he showed us the way. And along the way, he said, hey, follow me and I'll change you. I'll make you. I'll give you a new heart. I'll put my spirit within you. I'll give you a hope and a future and all this stuff. Follow me. For that reason, it's not too hard for us to do the things that God has told us. We can obey the gospel because of Jesus Christ and we believe that he's Lord. And that's actually what confessing with your mouth that he's risen from the dead is all about. Can I urge you that in your prayers, even in your private personal meditations, it's important to confess the power of Jesus in the resurrection, the goodness of Jesus that the resurrection confirmed, the love of Jesus that the resurrection is the climactic crescendo ultimate expression of. Because confessing those things is what hardens our resolve to do what's right in God's eyes, to follow after Jesus. I guess here's the bottom line. A lot of times people look at Romans 10 and they say, hey, listen, it's not about obedience. It's just about believing something in your heart and confessing something with your mouth. Look, I believe wholeheartedly that we're never going to do things fully on our own appropriately. We're never going to figure it all out. We're never going to obey God perfectly. And if it's not, if it wasn't for the incredible grace of God, we'd all be lost. 
But without obeying God through Jesus Christ, you're going to be lost too. You can believe that Jesus is great. You can say that Jesus is great. But Jesus said, Jesus said, Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But it's the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Or in other words, it's the one who will, verse Romans 10, 17, obey the gospel, excuse me, 10, 16. Those who will enter in are those who obey the gospel. And we obey the gospel because we believe the gospel deep down in our heart. We believe that Jesus was risen from the dead. And we confess that with our mouths, that he is Lord of heaven and earth, and that we're following him wherever he'll lead. And whenever you believe that, and whenever you talk that way, and whenever you guide your heart and your life that way, it'll change everything about how you live, and you will obey. Just like Moses said back in Deuteronomy 30, it's not too hard. It's not too hard to be obedient. But And might I add here, being obedient doesn't mean you never make a mistake or fail. What it does mean is every time you pick yourself back up, you turn it back around, and you do it right. The other passage that Paul quotes here in Romans 10, verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The apostle Peter quoted that in Acts chapter 2, the first time the gospel was preached after Jesus had been risen from the dead and ascended back to his father. And Peter preaches, and this is the passage he quotes from, Joel 2, beginning in verse 28 and following, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And the people said, what shall we do? And Peter said, well, here's what I mean. Call on the Lord means repent. Turn your life back to God. And be ready to keep on repenting. Keep on turning back to God. Keep on picking yourself back up whenever you fail. Keep on calling on the name of the Lord for guidance and wisdom and for strength and for all the things that you need. And he also said in that context in Acts 2, repent and be baptized. Be immersed in Jesus Christ. Give your life fully to his control so that you'll be raised up with him as your Lord, with his resurrection in you that you will be raised up alongside with him. And that's why Moses could say in Deuteronomy 30, hey, all this covenant-keeping stuff about obedience, it's not too hard. Now, it's too hard if you're doing it on your own. But if your obedience is obedience that's driven by faith in the lordship of Jesus, then it's not too hard. That's why the Apostle Paul in Romans 1.5 and Romans 16.26 begins and ends that letter by saying that he came to preach the gospel to bring about the obedience, not of self-righteousness, not of people just following a code book and that's it, but the obedience of faith, ultimate loyalty, the deepest of trust, true belief in the lordship of the risen and reigning Jesus Christ. Without obedience, there's no relationship with God. Just like really there's no relationship with anybody if you don't obey their will, if you don't do what will facilitate that relationship. And obedience is possible. It's necessary and it's possible if you believe in Jesus. If you do believe in Jesus as Lord, if you confess that with your mouth, if you know that he's been risen from the dead and you live out that resurrection yourself, always repenting, always trusting in God's grace to keep you going, then the promises of Moses in an even richer and truer way will come true. Let me finish with these verses from Deuteronomy 30, verse 15. Moses said, Look, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. 
and I might argue what he was setting up was a prophecy about the Messiah, Jesus. And what he's, what Jesus has set up for us is this choice, life and good or death and evil, whether or not we trust in him and follow him and obey him or not. Verse 16, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which we learn about through Jesus our Lord, by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering in to take possession of it. That was the promise to Israel. They gave up on it. They ruined that covenant. But thankfully, God gave us a new covenant in Jesus Christ. They did exactly what Moses warned about in verse 17. He said, If your heart turns away and you will not hear but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, then I declare to you today you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. The same is true for us, y'all. If we follow Jesus, then we have fellowship with God, we have closeness, we have security, we have peace, we have joy, we have comfort, we have all the good things that our hearts yearn for. But if we do not live a life of faith in the resurrection of Jesus, if we do not honor Him as Lord, if we do not call on His name, if we don't obey Jesus, then the curse on us will be even worse than what it was for them. So Moses says, Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him. For he is your life and your length of days. And In Jesus' name we live and we pray for this. Amen. The aim of The Way BK is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ across Brooklyn and beyond. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.thewaybk.com.